Hello, welcome to some Derbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, or today we're going to talk about the indescribable ecstasy of number go up. Um, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we are returning to our roots and finally, for once in our lives, not reviewing a movie for, like, the past, like, six or so weeks or something. Like, holy shit. Well, I mean, Look at us go. <laughs> last week we talked about revived game genres. So we've been, and... Yeah. And then we also talked about TTRPGs before that, so we've we've gotten away from uh, you know the movies. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we we're, we're getting back in touch with our roots after mm. you know uh, just covering tons of tons of movies and like TV shows and stuff um, recently. But hey, I guess I don't know. Twenty twenty one must have sucked for games or something. Okay, so the 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 case study here is an indie game that came out in December of last year or entered early access to be specific that came out in December of last year that has very recently kind of exploded and hit it big. This game is called Vampire Survivor. It is a um <coughs> what I it's an action game yeah. that is that is like retro. You know, it's got 2D graphics. Uh, it has very simple kind of controls, but I would say like pretty complex gameplay and systems. The core conceit of the game, right, is that, um, you know, you pick up these items. These items are weapons, and the weapons fire automatically, right? You don't you don't fire them individually. They fire on a set cooldown and in set patterns. And you collect these weapons, you power them up, you pair them with, you know, strong accessories, and you are trying to defeat waves upon waves of enemies that are scaling up, you know, to, to, meet, to meet you, basically. So there's this sort of roguelike element. There's this very retro element of the, of the it, kind of the graphics and the style. I mean, it's very clearly, like, supposed to be a spoof of Castlevania, right? Like the, the, yeah. uh, the NES era and the SNES era of Castlevanias. Um, uh, and, like, everything's like a, like, basically, if you looked at it, you'd be like, this is, like, you know, uh, a Chinese knockoff of Castlevania, you know, Antonio and, like, you know, down to, like, like the weird kind of, like, translation errors, which are supposed to be, like, um, I understand puns. Like, one of the weapons is um, piccione, which is, like, how you say pigeon in Italian, because I think the dev's Italian. Um, and it looks like a white dove, right? Like, it's, it's supposed to be mm. a pigeon, you know, it's supposed to, it's clearly supposed to be a pigeon thing, right? But, like, you know, everything else is kind of, like, vague English, like, not quite, you know, Castlevania vibe to it, um, which is, you know, I think part of the charm. But, yes. Uh, yeah. And um, I think if I were to describe, right, like, what, like, if we were to create a genre whole cloth, right, what would that genre be? You might call it a reverse bullet hell, right? Yeah. Because you are not dodging the bullets. You are the source of the bullets, right? And you are trying to sort of mow down these waves and waves of enemies before you get overwhelmed, right? They, they deal too much damage to you. Um, I was immediately hooked right you know by by this this gameplay conceit um and the the sort of roguelike elements right because you know every every match you are gaining experience and gaining levels those are temporary but you can also gain gold which is permanent right so every time you open up a chest for instance um or there are these kinds of uh, they're called points of light they're these like little torches on the ground if you break a torch you you can get like a little sack of gold and the gold is permanent right and you can use it to you know add add bonuses on top of your bonuses right and there's it's just a very satisfying loop to just you know you die you respawn you spend your your gold on whatever minor upgrade and you go again kind of thing um 
And uh, and so yeah, so I probably put like ten hours into the game so far. What what's your time, Matt? Hold on, let me. I can give you a, a good answer. Um, sixteen hours. Wow, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So I am at t I am at ten point seven hours. Yeah. Uh, so I have I have beaten every level on hyper mode. Um, I haven't I haven't unlocked everything yet, and like um, uh, controversially. I have not unlocked Poe, a particular character, um, because I think he's worthless. Um, but uh, wait, how do you how do you unlock Poe? Poe is what so so the different. If you look at the achievements inside the game, it'll tell you what characters or like it'll have a little portrait of what you unlock. And I think Poe is unlocked by like defeating some number of enemies or something. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so I think that's neat. Like some of the mechanics are gated off behind um, behind mechanics, and then you unlock him, or so rather. Getting the achievement unlocks them, but then you have to pay gold to actually use them. Right? Oh, them, oh, I see, I see. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so to be clear, um, you know, the game has multiple different characters. All characters will start with an item, right? Um, and uh, and they and they have their own like passive bonuses, right? So, for instance, uh, Antonio, the first guy, as you level him up, he gains extra damage up to a fifty percent damage bump, right? Um, and that and that you know scales over time with other you know like other heroes will also have similar sorts of buffs and, and bonuses that kind of thing. Um, so so you think Poe sucks? Is it just because he starts with garlic? No, so so the way you unlock Poe is getting garlic to level seven. I checked, um, but his okay. his his bonus is plus pickup radius, and his mm -hmm. penalty is minus max health, which just seems like not like I would pick another like it. I think it's worthless in that like it's not a bonus worth getting. I don't think the penalty is that bad. I don't think max health is that important. Um, but it's like what and like I also think garlic's bad, right? Like we do. Know, you, do you think the attract orb is bad? Um, I only, and like magnet. I only get a tractor to evolve uh, Santa Water if I'm going for that in a run. Um, that's really interesting. I think the attractor is amazing. I get it a lot. I think it's very, very good. Um, so I've been getting it more because I like evolved Santa Water. But um, so for folks at home that don't know, um, you know, you each of these weapons gets leveled, and then you can evolve weapon. Sir, almost all the weapons, not all of them. Um, if you have a certain passive item, um, it will evolve and get better. Um, uh, I don't like the attractor, or I don't think the attractor is that important because I will just hit points of light until I find a uh, until I find like the the big one that will pull all of them from everywhere. Oh, I uh, see. So the vacuum. Right? Yeah, yeah, the vacuum. Yeah, which yeah. is how you unlock the attractor. But like, I will I will admit that like for like really pushing like like the limits which i've started to do like the attractor is useful because like it's like more things you can pull in before death mauls you um have you gotten have you been killed by death yet yeah yeah a couple of times the, the reaper right yeah, yeah yeah so i oh i didn't actually think about the more things you can pull in before he kills you the thing i like about the attractor um I, at first, I thought the attract orb and plus experience were worthless, right? Because, and, and I, I typically find these sorts of things worthless, right? Something that gives you extra experience is not going to be worth your time because at a certain point, you're going to be capped to experience. And I typically fall into a mindset, which, by the way, is bad. But I typically fall into a mindset where if this thing is not useful for my final build, I should not take it, right? Um, which... 
I have since come around on quite a lot in like I would make the argument that garlic is good. Um, but the attractorb crown and garlic all sort of fit in the space of the practical, you know, um, use of those is as this as an early game power spike, right? That lets you scale quicker right into into the end game and that is valuable because what it does is it essentially shaves the uh like the time to max level by minutes or seconds right so because because there's there's so many gems on the ground that i just never have the opportunity to pick up if i'm not running the attract orb the the value of the attract orb gi giving me that that like constant influx of gems i find to be very valuable in my like current runs okay so i've got a couple things and i think this is like part of like like advanced thinking about like this is one of these games that like yeah. I like I have started thinking too much about even though like it ultimately because I've beaten no it, right? I'm sort of right there with you yeah. I also have very advanced thoughts about proper strategy and tactics for the game so sure hit me yeah. so so part of this is like what your ultimate goal is because like you know once you've hit I can sur survive thirty minutes you have to find something else to go for and for me at this point that's gold right right and so and from that perspective I actually think that the um that the experience gain is useful because the experience gain bonus levels, you can get an extra 25 coins for every bonus level, and that's before yeah. modifications, right? Um, I think Attractorb is less useful specifically because if you're playing, like, for optimization, you're playing um, you're playing Hyper Library, right? Because you can get eight passives in the library um, because there are... Wait, what? You can? Oh, my God. So... What? So, if you f so in the library, there will be... Uh, to the right of the start, there will be a stone mask on the ground, and to the left, there will be a an empty tome, which is the cooldown one on the ground. And if you fill up your passive slots, you can get them and put them on top, right? So, right, yeah, exactly. I um, didn't know that. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, but be because this is the only level that this happens on, it has this peculiar quirk where um, the uh, like the Green Acres and the the forest are open on all sides. The library is like closed on the top and the bottom, which I think makes the level easier in particular. Yep, I agree with but you. But it also makes like this this collecting gems problem a much less big of a problem, right? Like if you've got the open area, right? Like you might leave like gems like you know five hundred miles north of you, right? But um, if in the library you can just kind of like weave up and down the corridor as you go back and forth, and you'll pick up most of the gems. Um, so I think that makes it attractive less value. Like I've said though, I think that like. Evolve Santa Water is very good, so I, I go for it. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm Evolve Santa Water. I have not gotten the the opportunity to play with because at, at at a certain point, I was just testing every single combination to try and find the evolutions, and I evolved Santa Water and almost immediately died. So I didn't even get to see what mm. it looks like. Like I understand that it it pulls the pools into you, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, with the attractor or whatever, but I. I just didn't actually do that because I I died so quickly. I basically suicided to go get a chest under the assumption it would give me evolved sand and water, and I was like, ah, that's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. No, I, it's it's interesting because like, um, like the how do how do, how do I want to put put this properly? Like, um, the I like I have like restarted runs because I wasn't getting like the right drops right like I've gotten to the point where it's like I'm going for this particular run right so I actually 
earlier. To, so part of this is that Evolve Santa Order dropped on Saturday. Actually, it like hit the the main build. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and as did uh, a new character and another new passive, which which is revives. Right. So I actually finished my like best run, um, which is the character that gets revives. And then I had revives in the passive because um, every time death kills you, your bonus gold goes up a little bit. And mm. so I screwed up that run. Like, it's not like technically an optimal run one because they didn't have the, the, the out of, you know, the, the metagame money passive maximized. And uh, two, I died once on my way to 30 minutes, which is, you know, just me fucking up. Um, uh, but I got over 10,000 gold in the, in the run, which is like kind of like, you know, you know, like. I'm feeling good about myself. Like what you you unlock um, you unlock either Demaria or Mortaccio with like five thousand coins in a single run. And I got that the first time I did that it was by the skin of my teeth. I got forty seven hundred, and then like the bonus gold for surviving put me over the five k mark. And now I'm like, you know, hitting ten k right. Like, um, uh, so my my like um, uh, I can I think I screenshotted this. I might be able to share it on screen. But I I did uh, the demon who comes with crosses, and then I got like. I did Santa Water. I did Bible. I so I think, I think that if you're not gonna go garlic, I think you want to go King Bible. Um, uh, and I think that garlic is bad. I think garlic is like if you're pushing to like hit the finish line early on, it's fine. But like I actually don't think it's very good. Um, yeah. So something that I have recently realized um, is that there is value in aggression, right? Because like. You know, so I, I feel like the default way to play is to sort of be safe and avoid stuff in a way where you're kind of trying to find, you know, like you're letting stuff get close to you. You're more or less ex like ignoring some of the like the weapon effects like you're not aiming Pichon. You're not you're not really aiming your whip all that much right and you're just trying to avoid getting overwhelmed by by like forces right and i think that's a fair a fair way to play but there is a different version of playing where you are hunting for kills right you are trying to kill as much shit as you possibly can because that drops experience gems and it will level you up and the best way to do that is to pick up garlic extremely early and use it to one shot bats in the first couple of minutes right because it will catapult you you know like i've had runs where you know, you start with garlic as maybe your first or second item, right? And by, like, the third minute, I'm already level eight. And it's not because, you know, it's not because there's... That's, that is that is way ahead of schedule just because I'm going and I'm specifically hunting the bats, right? The big bat swarms are coming, and I, like, go and I soak them up because it's just, like, so, mm, yes, that's so much experience. Whereas I feel like maybe, you know, another player's sort of default way is to sort of avoid the bat swarms, which lowers the amount of experience gain over time. And so it's about it's about using garlic to keep yourself ahead of the damage curve, if that makes sense, rather than have garlic be the meat of your damage curve. See, I so I disagree with you. Um, I've actually – you actually have taken the same position that Friend of the Cast X – uh, takes, which is what, what, I, what I was arguing specifically against. I don't think it gains you that much advantage, especially given the kind of like curve, you know, the exponential curve of the way stuff goes up. I can tell you about library because um, X and I did these kind of against each other and you'll get about a level by two minutes in um, uh, ahead if you're like mowing things down with garlic um, versus King Bible. Um, and that's also slightly skewed because like I was using um, Demaria, who has movement speed debuff, like that's his trade-off. Uh, but he starts mm. with the King Bible, which is why why I took him um, to, for the point. Um, and I just don't think it's 
worth i don't think it's worth the early game trade-off like i don't think that like pushing the cap is actually worth that much um uh part of that though is also that like because i'm going for specific bills i'm like basically fishing and trying to like um uh and i'm not always taking like the most in the moment optimal thing because i'm like looking towards like to to build a specific end build and if i'm yeah and if i'm doing that like um there is some advantage to accelerating but i just don't think you get that much like i don't think like a you know, half minute advantage at hitting another level is 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 that valuable, um, especially when you get like towards the upper levels, like they start spinning faster. Essentially, um, so start- yeah, I, I do agree with that, but I just sort of feel like um, uh, th- this isn't to say that it is a it is a good option, but it is a sometimes option, right? So, for instance, I think certain items are incredibly good, right? Like I think the Rune Tracer arrow is insanely good. Yeah. The thing is very commonly my top DPS. Basically, most things that pa- that are AOE and have that pass-through ability, I think are fucking fantastic and extremely good items, right? So that's the, um, you know, Santa Water is like this. Though I think Santa Water really sucks early. It is like incredibly bad until you put a couple of like, levels into it um i think uh the rune tracer arrow is like this um the whip is like this in early game but it falls off late game and uh i'm forgetting one bible oh yeah and the bible right yeah i mean the bible is interesting i don't like the bible the thing that i the, i in a weird way i sort of like garlic and the bible in different scenarios what i like about the bible is it makes me play kind of like a you know like a stop start right i'm waiting to see my bible proc and when it does then i'm a lawnmower and i am cutting everything down and then when it ends i retreat you know what i mean and i have to sort of play it safe because it's off at least until you evolve it right right, right. And at that point it's always on oh also the cross is insanely good the yeah. first time i ever beat the game it was because i was using the cross and i didn't realize how fucking fantastic it was but the cross is like insanely good um but uh but but garlic has me sort of in this opposite perspective where garlic i feel much safer about being aggressive and moving around the map because there is this sort of um constant damage aura like the way that i deal with swarm enemies on a garlic run is much different than the way that i deal with them on any other run right um but at the end of the day, I don't the, like my favorite items are probably like the cross, the knife. Uh, see, I don't like the rune knife. tracer. Oh, I, I love the knife. See, I think the the, pro- the problem with the knife is that like you like it is uh, you know is probably the, the most active weapon in the game because it's it's in the direction you're pointing, and so like you got to yeah. do this like stutter step thing, which I just don't think is like super compelling. Um, if you're like trying to move away from something but still do the DPS, you kind of gotta like. Oh yeah, yeah. You do this orb walking thing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that I actually find that to be pretty pretty natural. But the thing I like about the knife is that I have a lot of control. It's the is the level of control, right? One of the runs that I won last night was with the guy that starts with the knife and he throws two projectiles. Yeah. Um. The thing that that I find really useful about the knife is eventually it just has so much DPS that you can just keep moving forward, and I feel very safe in that situation, right? I never really have to worry because at the end of the day, if I just point forward, I'm going to do enough damage that I can just, I could just walk essentially. Right. Um, and, and that's like, that's like a comforting feeling, which is why I pick, I pick the knife a lot. I also tend to like projectile builds because like, you know, 
you might notice all of those item the the cross the rune tracer arrow and the knife all synergize really well with like the duplicator where you're running multiple projectiles with people who have multiple projectiles with the uh the you know the 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 power up that gives you an extra projectile uh, i i feel like that is one of the bedrocks of power in the game is just adding raw projectiles to uh to whatever I, you're doing I, I agree with that the thing is i also like direct like because because i like king bible a lot i always pick mm -hmm. up the duration and like none of the base projectile weapons scale with with, with duration and so like like rune tracer does which is good um yep santa water does um the birds do uh and like the clock lands it but the clock like once like once i did a run on demario where i just did all duration weapons and i took picked up the clock lancet which is interesting but i think ultimately not super valuable like i i rarely ever pick up laurel i rarely ever pick up clock lancet um i pick i, I pick up laurel pretty commonly actually a lot of the time laurel is my sixth item where i feel like i have a pretty powerful damage you know, like I have, I have a suite of damage. I'm like, all right, this is good enough to get me to the end game. I have, you know, the upgraded cross. I have the upgraded, um, you know, whatever, like fireball. I have the upgraded axe, maybe. Um, and I'm just, I just want something to sort of save me from the oh shit moments. Because being able to just sort of go, you know what, fuck it, and like bulldoze through a group of enemies that you you are you would otherwise die to is, I find to be pretty useful. Interesting. Interesting. See, I, I don't. I don't think it's worth the slot. Um, like that. Like the, the because you're limited on slots, right? Like, um, I I just don't think it's it's worth the play. There's also my primary objection to objection to garlic, mm. right? Like it's like you know it's a slot that could otherwise be taken by you know a a you know a fireball stick or um, if like if I'm playing Mortachio, right? Like you're already like the bone's very good, but like it's it's like a you know a, a sixth of your inventory space. Um, Take, or your weapon. Do wait. Do, oh, you think the bone is good, or I think the bone is very good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait. Then why is it like garlic? No. So it is. It, it is not bad. It's just like it's. You only have five slots to work with for the rest of the build, in the weapon space. Because, oh, okay. Right. Sure. Like, and it doesn't evolve. Right. So like, you don't have like, you don't have like, um, like you have to be basically bone based, right? Like if you're playing Wartachio. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you can draw. I've heard. Uh, you know, in a very kind of like my internet, you know, my, my uncle works at Nintendo kind of way, right? That like, um, you know, you can get the bone on other characters, but I've never seen it drop outside of... Uh, I have never seen it drop on anybody else. I love the bone, though. My first win was on Mortachio mm -hmm. because I, I you know, I th th this was my... I, I got the bone and I got the cross. And I also, I didn't evolve weapons until maybe eight hours into playing. I just never had the correct combos. Um, specifically because I tended to like items that didn't pair with other ones. Like, the first one I did was the axe. And I remember thinking at the time, I like I didn't even take the axe to, or take the AoE thing to evolve the axe. I took it because I had Santa water. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make the, the zones on my Santa water bigger. And then I evolved the axe and I was like, wait, what the fuck? This thing, like, changes? Um, but on Mortachio, uh, just had, like, having the bones, having the cross. I think I had knives. I had, I just had a bunch of things. And I just was like a projectile murder machine. And it was, it was pretty gross. Do you yeah. like the fire wand? That that one was interesting. You mentioned the fire wand. Yeah, so I like the fire wand because when it evolves, it passes through things. And also, like, yeah. I think that spinach is just a very good passive. And it's the weapon that goes with the with the pass. Like, I like it. Like, okay. I pick it up because, one, it it, it it targets something, right? Like, it's not, like, 
completely random. Yep. Um, uh, but also, like, I just think spinach is very good, right? Like, um, and this thing that goes with spinach, and it also, like, scales with things that, like, it scales with a bunch of things, right? Like, um, on, on, on the library, right, like, usually my last weapon is going to be either the fire wand or the magic wand. I prefer the fire wand, but it's kind of like, you know, what you get and, like, whether or not I can justify holding out. Um, oh, I, li- I do like the magic wand a lot. I think the evolved magic wand is very good. Uh, but mostly, not as, like, a raw... Like, so, some of my thinking is that I have raw DPS tools, right? But I also need precision tools. Like, so, for instance, I like the birds as a raw DPS tool, which is to say, at the end of the dungeon, at the end of the map, I am going to see the birds did a bunch of DPS. Or also the rune tracer arrows like this, yeah. right? I'm just going to see that thing did a lot of DPS, right? But very rarely do I think that the rune tracer arrow is good at keeping me alive in a in a sort of um, in a way because it's right I can't count on it essentially right. right which is part of what I like about the knife right the knife I can count on a lot and I can make decisions around the knife that keep me alive by just going well I know that if I point my nose here. I can mow through enough guys that I will create a safe lane for myself, right? And that's the same reason why I like the the wand um, is because, you know, especially when you evolve it and it's just like constantly firing, because it is always targeting the thing closest to you, it kind of creates a little sort of, um, you know, a sort of like zone of impenetrability in a way where if anything gets too close, I at least know that my wand is going to be there to help, you know, to help fend things off. And that's not going to equal a ton of DPS at the end, but I don't need that because I have eight rune tracer arrows with max duration who are going fucking, you know, buck wild or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I, I, um, this is something I don't know, but like, um, first of all, or the things I do know is that like the wand doesn't scale with the area. The wand doesn't scale with, um, duration. Right. Um, uh, but the other thing is that like, um, I don't actually know if the constant weapons, either the knife or the the evolved knife or the evolved wand, I don't know if they actually scale with projectiles. I need to actually look that up. Um, oh, they do. You get more projectiles. But like when it's constant, like is is like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, I I I know, right? Like it's 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 like. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I don't like about the wand is if you want to evolve it, you take the cooldown reduction, but it loses the CDR essentially, right? Yeah. Because once you once you max it out, it doesn't have a cooldown anymore, which is great. But it it now sort of means one of your passives ha- it doesn't affect one of your other items, right? Um, which and and you know I I don't like taking both the wand and the knife. They kind right. of fill the same sort of tactical slot in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have done, I did do a run that I ended up winning, but I did do a run where I took both. And I remember thinking in the late game, I was just like, man, I took this stupid fucking CDR tome, but it's only hitting four of my weapons. And right. I think actually it was maybe only hitting three of my weapons. Cause I may have had something else that didn't scale with CDR. Yeah. No, I, I, I think everything else does. Yeah. So something, so something that I think is like a deceptive one, um, and one that I want to like, I want to see if I can build the build around is the pentagram, because the pentagram. Um, I've never been able to make the pentagram work. Yeah, because it it, it it constantly fucks me. <laughs> it destroys everything on screen, but they don't drop anything. I apparently it'll, yep. it it drops more stuff if like you have a high luck, um, and I have I have seen posts on on the the vampire survivor subreddit that like if you make your la- the last thing you take. Maybe it can be worth it, um, but you know. Yeah, I almost the the thing that fucks the the thing that fucks you with the pentagram 
is it kills the bosses. Yeah. And you don't get the chests, right? Which are which are really uh, like a really important piece of the puzzle because it takes so long to kill the bosses, and a lot of the time it's very hard to kill them. You just kind of have to whittle them down over a long amount of time, and that leads to these situations where the pentagram is just ticking away, and I'm just like, I'm gonna proc the pentagram any fucking second. All of this damage on this stupid blue bat is like going fucking nowhere. Um, yeah, I have tried taking the pentagram, but every single time I felt like it fucks me because it loses me the the, the chest. I did yeah. once level it up quite quite a lot i leveled it to level four i think where it has a chance to leave the items behind but i died before i got any further than that fair enough um but yeah what do you think of uh what do you think of lightning to take the lightning Interesting. ring the last time i took lightning was on the character that that like went with it like that like starts uh -huh. with it um uh and he's interesting because when he starts, he has like he has like a, a, a as you level up your he has like a temporary cooldown bonus, um, and it's fun because it like instantly goes it just like constantly goes off like for that like yep. first minute, um, but like um, I I like I I use it on an AOE build sometimes, but like it is not one that is not one that I dislike. It's just not one that like synergizes super well, so I don't often make it into like my curated builds things. Right. Interesting. See, the, I I feel like you and I have different approaches I, I tend not to think of my build as a complete unit but as instead s things that i slot into predetermined slots if that makes sense right so you know for instance knife and wand magic wand are part of the same slot where i only and also whip goes in here where i i i want one or two of these but i don't want to take all three i definitely but I definitely want at least one of them just so I have a little bit of kind of like a deterministic ability to do this thing. Then there's kind of like the random DPS output, which almost always is the cross, the rune, the rune tracer arrow. Um, what, was, what else was I saying? The birds. The bone fits in this if you're playing Mortaccio, but only for Mortaccio. But just like, oh, and a whole Santa, Santa water, right? Um and the lightning ring also kind of goes in this slot, but I think lightning ring only is valuable way in the late game. Like, I probably never take lightning ring as one of my first four items, but I'll very commonly add it to my build at five or six because I know that I'm going to, you know, I don't need the DPS now, but I know that once it gets to level, you know, five, six, seven, eight, then it's really valuable. And by that point, I'm probably turning enough experience that it's not a huge deal anyway. So... The, that's that's kind of my thought process around the lightning of around the lightning thing. It just kind of becomes part of my AOE damage profile, right? Which is maybe three of my five item choices. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but maybe we should steer a little bit away from specific discussion of this game since we've been doing that for like half an hour. Maybe we should. Talk that's like very true. I'm just I'm really interested yeah. because uh, and I think this kind of speaks to the overall point, right? Really, at the end of the day, what I think Vampire Survivors presents is just like an interesting gameplay puzzle to decipher, right? right. And that we all kind of get to decipher for our ourselves, right? There isn't a. I mean, I'm. You know, I say that, but you're mentioning the the Vampire Survivors Reddit, right? But there isn't, like, a community built around optimizing the game in the way that we would expect with other very, like, very entrenched games, right? People are spending time optimizing, 
you know, like wow builds for 9.2 on the PTR. And it's literally not even out yet. Right. You know, when it comes to something like new world or lost Ark, which are, which are, you know, like recent RPGs that come out, people got so into the betas that they were able to release all of this video content about optimizing the game before the game even releases, right? Lost Ark comes out today, but there's all of these YouTubers who have recommendations for what to build, how to play, what what the strategies are, right? And the thing that I think <laughs> grabbed me about Vampire Survivors was it <clears throat> it presented me those sorts of systems in a way that I I could figure them out on my own, and I got to make my own sorts of decisions on how I wanted to progress through the game and make the right sort of choices, completely irrespective of all these things. And my reward for that is that ecstasy of number go up, yeah. right? Because, you know, I get to test builds that I think work and builds that I think don't, and items that I think are good and items that I think are bad, Um and, and kind of come to my own conclusions about what is the best thing to to make number, you know, like to make number go up. Yeah, so I think an interesting piece of this is like the bar to clear is relatively low, right? Like it is not hard to be able to survive a full run, even on hyper. Um, if you're doing like a little bit of like thought, right? And you're like, you know, being like, oh, this thing that scales with area, I should get the area scaler, right? Like, you know, you do that, like that basic level of kind of like coordination yeah. and you'll probably survive. To be clear, do you know, what does hyper do? Does it make more enemies spawn uh, or anything? Everything goes faster for the first, for the, for the, uh, at the base level. Like that's like the, the biggest thing to me is like everything moves much faster. Um, okay. I, uh, I think enemies go up, but like you also get like a base money and base luck um and you unlock it by beating it on the basic mode okay um, yeah i unlocked hyper and i started running on hyper and i never stopped really yeah. so i don't i don't even i i just haven't played a base run in a long time and i don't even remember what it, if what you it was click like. it off you'll be like why is this so slow how do yeah, i yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true um uh but um but yes uh so i think i think part of Again, because this is this this um, uh, this base like this base bar is so low to to cross, um, everything above that is just gravy. And so like you like there are people that are talking about optimization, right? Kind of like the white whale is killing death, which is like basically functionally impossible. He's got sixty five k times your level HP when he spawns. And so there's like some theory crafting about like maybe if you're level two when he spawns. And, like, you've got, like, one of those orbs spawned, like, the vacuum orbs, so that he spawns, and then you walk, and you grab the orb, and then, like, it starts, like, pulling the gems in, so you can get all your levels. Maybe you'd be able to kill him, but, How like... How could you ever get to the endgame at level two? Um, I... Th I'm, I'm not sure what, like, the theory crafting is there, but I think, like, maybe... Like, I could see it working maybe if you were, like, um... Like, like I said, you know, I said the lightning ring guy, like, starts with, like, a minus 90% cooldown reduction... Like, but you have to like dodge experience crystals, right? Like, um, and this is like very theory craft level. I don't think this is like anybody's done it yet. Um, but, uh, but anyway, like that's like not like, there's like a thing that like maybe people figure out cause they're like hyper optimizers, but yeah. like for like most people, right. It's about kind of like what you're pushing for and like creative expression in a certain way. Right. Like this is like, I think also the draw of things like, um, like character action games, right? Like devil may cry. It is not a hard game to beat, but if you want to like, you know, beat it with like super stylish S ranks on everything, right? Like you gotta like, like play the game in in a way that's like a little bit extra, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and and that's a big that's a big part of it. 
right? Um, and similar, like uh, the other big comparison to make this game too is like um, is Cookie Clicker, um, and and something like maybe Diablo. Uh, we were talking a little bit in the, in the precast chat about this, and those are a lot about kind of like. It's not a matter of if you will beat it. It's like at some level, it's about like how how high level you can go to beat like to beat it and like how fast you can do it. But at the end of the day, a lot of that's up to like personal choice and expression. And there's not like like if you care about like pushing like very high level rifts or whatever. Like yes, you have to like um, maybe like go with certain you know pre-described optimized builds. But like it's not like something like wow where like if people are like you know, not, like, doing, like, some level of optimization. And you don't even have to do optimization in WoW, right? Like, you just kind of have to, like, get bigger item levels. Um, but that's Yeah, like, like, no amount of optimizations can stop you from walking off the Sylvanas Bridge. Right. Right, we're right but, like... <laughs> it's something we've said on this cast. <laughs> but the, the, the point there being that, like, the reason you do optimization pieces there is because, like, you're off, like, getting pet, like, beating Sylvanas is often, like on the edge of a racer, especially if you're, like, yeah. a relatively casual guild like us, right? Um, uh, and so those optimization pieces are useful. Also, that's kind of, like, that optimization is your goal, right? Like, like when I'm playing, when I'm raiding, the pieces of our, our raid we have on farm, I'm playing against myself, and I'm trying to get mm. a bigger DPS number. And the way I make those DPS numbers go up beyond my, my own skill increase is by optimizing my gear. The way I make gold go up in this game is somewhat optimization, but it's also, like, much more amorphous, right? Like, raw number isn't exactly that. It's, like, a, it's, you know, how many points of light I kill and how many drops I get out of that. Like, luck tied to the chests. Um, and, like, yes, experience that gets in excess of my max level so I can spawn more gold bags. But, like, that's, like, that even that, like, the experience isn't tied to raw DPS necessarily, right? Like, because mm. there's, like, excess DPS. Like, there's tons of excess DPS, right? Like... Um, if I'm killing low-level enemies, I only need enough, uh, you know, enough to kill that that like you know that enemy. Anything above that, but I also need to balance that against like killing bigger enemies. So there's like a lot of kind of like there's like not yeah, as like much... there are some there are some levels that I think are kill points, right? So for instance, when the werewolves spawn, I think that's a common kill point where you have to be have a good build by that point or you die because the werewolves are just too fucking healthy and they'll, right. they'll kill you. Um, and, uh, and I think there's a couple different one of those, you know, th kind of throughout the game um, where at a certain point, you know, the vampire bats are another good example. The green zombies are another example where, you know, the wave that spawns is this thing and you either are putting out DPS numbers or you are not. And that's kind of, uh, you know, like that's really the only kind of like tuning hurdles that somebody has to get over. And to be honest, I really don't think that it's even that hard, you know, like I get past those with garlic all the time, even though garlic isn't a high DPS thing, just because, you know, you can kite them out, you can dodge, you know, you can, you can kind of plan around these sorts of things, um, and make it through those levels, even if you have low numbers. Um, so it is not an incredibly punishing game when it comes to just like the raw DPS output. I agree with you a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, 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 I think that's part of the draw, right? Like, because it's not so punishing, you can kind of like, you know, have this fun of designing things without worrying about, like, am I being optimal? Yeah. Um, and, like, you can, but, like, and if you, you can do that if you want, but it's all for fun, essentially, right? Like, you know, all, like, I have, I have had this argument with, with X about, like, about garlic, right? It's like, your, your, your runs are sucking and you're getting less gold than me because you're taking, the, making this suboptimal choice, but it, it doesn't ultimately matter, right? Like, who, who cares at the end of the day? It's bragging rights, right? Um, yeah. And it, and it's, a, and it's, uh, it's a matter of, it's a matter of self-expression, which I think is, 
is uh, fun. It's also super iterable, right? Like, you know, it's a half hour, right? Um, and if you lose, you can, like, drop out. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's quick, right? Like, this is a game that has caused me, like, you know, relatively local, like, minor problems. It's like, oh, I'll pop on, like, for a break during the workday and play a game, and then I'll, like, just play too much of it, right? Like, because it's like... Yeah, it's, well, because you think of... I think of it in 30-minute chunks, right? But what happens is you die, and you're like... Well, that doesn't count. You know what I mean? And yeah, then, yeah. And then you do another run, and you die in that run. But that one, you died 12 minutes in, and now you're 27 minutes into your 30-minute 30, 30 break. And then your third run, you win, but all of a sudden, you spend an hour where you meant to only spend 30 minutes. You know, like that. That I, I absolutely feel that. No, that that is that's happened to me several times. And it, for me, it's a lot of like, <laughs> oh, I got a drop where I have to pick one of these items that I don't want in my build. So... Maybe I should restart like now. That way, I don't waste any more time, right? Like, maybe oh my god, see that? I I would never do that. I've never, I've never once said that. But which is maybe I think at the end of the day, I think all of the items are good. Yeah, and yeah. I, it would be. There have been times where I think to myself, "This is a no. This is no way. I'm making it out of this." Right? Um, you know, something that happens is I sometimes have too much randomness in my build. Where it's just like, I have a lot of DPS, but it's all, you know, it's Pichon, and it's the it's the Rune Tracer arrow, and it's the Fireball. Like, all of these things I can't count on, right? Um, and I feel like I lose runs to that because, hey, you know, it, when things aren't predictable, the numbers don't line up, and you just don't, you get swarmed sometimes. That happens, sort of thing. Um, but I don't think I've ever, gi I've, I've ever given up a run. I've, I've, I've definitely just, I, cause you, you're always around the corner from another chest is what it feels like. Right. You know? And like, I guess in my mind, the opportunity cost of, well, there's a boss spawning soon and maybe I can kill it and get the chest makes it worth it. So, so this, I only do this when I'm like, like I, like when I'm playing a game, though, I want to build a specific build and see if I can push numbers. Right. And if I don't hit that, like, I don't want to spend the extra, like, you know, 18 to 12 minutes playing that out because I, like, right. I just don't think it's, like, you know. Yeah, it, it's a difference in the definition of success or failure, right? Like, yeah. I've, as far as I'm concerned, if I get to 30 minutes and I get killed by the Reaper, you know, more or less that's a successful run, even if I make 2,000 gold or if I make 5,000 gold, right? Or whatever the number would be. Yeah. But, um, but in a world where the goal is to just get as much as possible... I definitely feel like it would make sense to to drop your to drop your runs. Yeah, so I think this is the first game where I I really like understand speedrunners because that's very speedrunner kind of like behavior, yep. right? Like, um, uh, and you know, my my one of my fears is like if I go back to this, I'm like not gonna be able to like the the run I had this morning was like near perfect, and in between one of my deaths from uh from the Reaper. A, uh, a freeze a freeze time thing popped out of a point of light and so I got like an extra like 10 seconds or whatever on the Reaper because he was frozen by the thing right so I was like oh oh this is like this is like a, you know I'm not gonna get this for like another like 72 runs right like you know um, and so like you know it's one of those things where like you know if I go back will I be able like I might be able to beat the gold number because like I, I only had my gold passive on um, on level 2 like the, the, the metagame gold passive so yep but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I'll, I got I got thirty twenty six as my time, so we'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, God, that's really interesting. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, well, and, and it's interesting that you bring up Cookie Clicker. Like, I am fascinated by clicker games, right? You know, like, in a professional capacity, one of our games is Chicken Assassin. Um, the game is called Chicken Assassin Reloaded, and it's a game that... Uh, that was launched, but we worked with the developer and kind of made a sort of like an updated version, right? Um, that we published. And Chicken Assassin, you know, like internally gets like a lot of shit. We make jokes at Chicken Assassin's expense because it's a, you know, it's a clicker game. It's pretty basic. There's not all that much going on, right? But one of the secret things that's funny about Chicken Assassin is it's our third best reviewed game after Mutazione and behind the frame i think so chicken assassin is better reviewed than like grime right and you i constantly see people playing and putting like thousands of hours like one guy left a review and he had 1900 hours in chicken assassin i'm just like and you know like okay it's a clicker game right a lot of those hours are just i'm running a fucking click script or whatever and i'm and i'm not paying attention to it absolutely fair enough or whatever but i i am just so interested in kind of like the underlying psychology of uh of that right um and i feel like the answer is just that number go up is satisfying that's it that's all it comes down to right you know especially because there's something there's something really satisfying about the feeling of i go do the thing i walk away with currency i spend currency on thing to make next run better right that's just like a really addicting loop and um, and is kind of the the bedrock of something like, you know, something like Vampire Survivor, right? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, Vampire Survivor is very directly that. And like, so the, the I am less I'm less familiar or I played Cookie Clicker for a while at one point. But like the one I'm very familiar with is um, uh, the paperclip one. Um, I forget what the this is like. I don't know what the paperclip one is. Um, so this is this is like, like an old. It's kind of like an inside joke. There is like, um, there's this like. Are you are you familiar with AI ethics at all? Uh, let's say no because I don't know. Where okay, so the paperclip optimizer is this theoretical problem where like you know somebody decides like somebody creates an AI and tells them to make paperclips, and. The AI is like, okay, I will like destroy the known universe and turn it all into paperclips, right? Like, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's like the basic thing, right? And that's basically what this game is modeling, right? Like, you know, you know, you went and made a bunch of paperclips in the paperclip factory, and you've slowly turned the entire Earth production to paperclip production, and you know, the universe, and you've destroyed all matter in the like the, the game actually has an end state where you destroy all like matter in the known universe and like turn it into paperclips, right? Um, uh, and you know, that's a and so like you know. That, that's neat because it, do, like, it does have an endpoint. Like, it'll take you a couple hours, but, like, you know, mm. you will eventually get there. Um, I don't think – I think it, I, I, I forget exactly how long it takes, but it's, like, one of those things where, like, you know, you can leave it open in a browser window because, um, uh, like, at, very quickly, your clicks don't matter, right? Like, you can make paper clips by clicking, but, like, at some point, it's, like, why bother, right? Because, like, my automated thing is going much faster. Um, yeah. Um, but I think, I, think, I think it's ultimately just kind of, like – Numbers going up feels good, right? Like, feels good to see big number. I like big Yeah, number. and I do think it is a little bit more complicated than that. Like, so, for instance, I don't think someone would play a clicker that is just a button, and when you hit the button, it gives it says plus one, right? 
you know, I, I, you know, I fucking say that. I'm sure this exists somewhere, and like people have done whatever, right? But like, I, I do think that it is important for clickers to have systems that are more complicated than that. In the same way that I think it's important for a lot of games to have systems that are more complicated than that, because there is a there is a lower bound, right? There is a threshold under which. I am just clicking a button and that's not fun and I don't care, right? But there, the the drive to look at a system and optimize it is is maybe what I think underlies the thrill of number go up, right? So to put this in another way, when I think of something that I've been playing recently, like Anno 1800, right? Which is a city builder, but like the city builder is about optimizing this system right i have my colony in the old world and my colony in the old world is making bread it's making beer it's you know it's making sewing machines right i have my colony in the new world my colony in the new world is making rum it's making coffee um it's making you know gold or whatever and part of the that game is to reach the higher echelons of the system i need to create effective and protected trade routes from the old world to the new world right so i need to be sending cargo ships to the new world to go pick up coffee and bring it back to the old world right because my old world artisans making sewing machines need coffee in order to be happy workers right but my sewing machines also need to be shipped to the new world because my workers in the new world expect to have sewing machines as one of their basic needs that kind of thing right and you know this is a very basic one-dimensional interaction between those two things but there is the old world the new world and besa which is the which is africa there's the arctic there is a separate version of the old world called cape trelawney and there's all of these other you know systems and mini games built into that certain islands have certain kind of you know certain kind of fertility right it may only be fertile for hops grain potatoes and wine right and grapes right but i need red peppers if i need to make canned goods which my artisans expect to make you know canned to 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 work right yeah. they need happiness to work i need canned goods to to fulfill their basic needs now i need to go settle a new island and then that island has cargo ships where it is just sending red peppers back to the you know back to the mainland or whatever and it's just like take it really what the game did right was it presented me with an unop like a, a completely sort of barren system devoid of optimization and said fix it fix the machine right the pieces are all there for you we have set the pieces down for you right all you need to do is is slowly but surely fix that machine and in a certain sense I think that the same sort of thing applies to a clicker, right? But, like, the systems are just completely different. You're not optimizing trade routes. You're not protecting trade routes. You're not, you know, going to war with pirates, all this other sort of stuff. You are, you know, earning, different, like, different amounts of currency to automate the clicks to make the machine better and more and more optimized, right? And, um... And so I guess that's sort of my thesis for the for the for today's episode. Really, it is about putting a a a sort of systems puzzle in front of a person and asking them to optimize the puzzle. And the output of the optimization is the plus ones, right? Is the number go up? But at the end of the day, the fun of the puzzle is the thing that is like providing the dopamine hit, essentially. Yeah, you you need like enough control, right? Like, cause like like you said. It's clicking a button and making the number go up probably isn't enough, right? Like, you need, like, 
something along the lines. And that's why I think I like, like for instance, I fell off of Cookie Clicker is because like it was all about like just like different ways to make the number go up a different way. But there wasn't enough variation there for me to like care, right? To like, sure. there's like not a lot of skill aspect there. But the paperclip machine, um, I if if I paperclip if I remember correctly, there's like this like weird kind of like stock market mini game in there that you could use to like like you know if you time things right you have to pay enough attention to like sell things at the right points so you could like multiply your money and then use that to like you know jump up to the next level because it's like it's it's all about striving for kind of like the next thing right especially especially in the clicker type games but like you know um this is actually i think the big problem i have with diablo uh three um which is uh with the seasons which is that because the seasons have like a set that you will get if you hit a certain point, that's mm-hmm. like, like that's like a massive power spike, and everything past that is like nothing, right? Like there's no like like the car like your power curve has turned into like a power step, and like it's like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, big step, and then it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and it's like ceases to be compelling. I think what you want is like that curve to curve up, and even if you're you know you're getting diminishing returns after a certain point. You want it. You want it to like smooth, be a little bit smoother. That way, you it feels kind of worth pursuing those higher levels. If that makes does that make sense? To yeah, you? this this makes a lot of sense. I, I was having a conversation about this with somebody. The the process is honing, right? So, for instance, the, the we were talking about WoW. My thing with WoW that I think Shadowlands has proven to a certain extent is that the big steps in player power need to come early, and then it gets more and more fine-tuned over time, right? So, for instance, um, you know, like, something that people complain about is these conduits, right, which are spec-specific and affect your class and your gameplay a lot of the time, right? Sometimes they're pretty invisible passives, you know, like, these aren't these aren't getting a new spell big, right? Um, but they are sort of... Um, uh, they, they definitely are hitting players in a different spot than something like gem slots do, right? Where there's this drive to max out my conduits because they affect my spec-based gameplay. But when conduit, when maxing out your conduits is put at the end of an incredibly long grind, it makes the whole thing feel weirdly top-heavy, right? Because the thing is, I feel like I want those conduits so bad, right? But I can't get them unless I go through, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of grinding, which feels incorrect. It feels like weeks and weeks and weeks of grinding should reward me with abilities to fine-tune, you know, aspects of my build that will give me more DPS, but, like, in much more minor ways than getting, like, a conduit upgrade feels like it should, right? So, for instance... It makes sense that weeks and weeks and weeks of grinding is going to reward me with a gem slot where I get an extra 16 crit or whatever, right? Because, like, crit is the kind of thing that I am honing, right? I'm trying to – I'm just trying to pump as much of my best secondary as I can. I'm replacing gear of similar eye level just because I know that I scale better with crit haste than I do with mastery versatility, right? Um and one of the things that I'm thinking about in these sorts of terms is like legendaries, right? Where at this point in the expansion legendaries are pretty effortless to get. But at, when we began in the expansion they were actually quite difficult, right? Um and I think that that the the curve over time of how easy it is to get a legendary is reflective of this principle in action. Legendaries are seen as foundational keystone elements to a specs build and play style. There are certain specs whose entire build revolves around the thing that their legendary does 
to enable them to do things better, right? So a good example of this, shout out to my to my friend Stoops, would be Mistweaver Monk, right? Which uses crits to shorten the cooldown of a very important ability, right? The whole build is just around getting crits to shorten that cooldown as low as possible. And the thing that enables that is a legendary, right? And when I think about when I think about something like Diablo, right? Um putting the putting the power in that step and having that step come relatively kind of like late in the process, right? You have to level a character to max. You have to start clearing these rifts, right? You have to clear rifts at higher and higher level. That feels very strange when the biggest boosts to power are the things that I want to happen first, if that makes sense, because they tend to be the thing that define the entirety of the build going, going further. Um, but that said, I also think that there are weird incentive structures around that sort of thing. Like, so for instance, one of the things that, that is interesting about conduits is they feel mandatory, but they are functionally not, right? The difference between a conduit that I get out of a, a world's quest box, very easily attainable, right? Item level 226. And item level 252 conduit that I farm six weeks every day for, right? is about 0.8% if I have all of my conduits maxed versus all of my conduits at, at eye level 226. So even though there really isn't a number go up reason to do the thing, people still do the thing, right, compulsively. And they kind of ruin their own gameplay while they're at it because the imagination is sort of making the number feel like it is more important than it is. So I, I think you're kind – I think – I. I agree with that second part more than I do with the first part because I I think that you want measurable jumps right like my problem with the the the, the seasonal set that you get from um, Diablo three is that it it pumps it, is that it uh, jumps up quickly um, all at once right like I think what you want is to grind for a while and then get that last piece that locks in and gives you a measurable increase right I think the relevant uh, version of this in WoW is um, getting your third, um, you're getting chart your chart of domination. Yeah, your your your, your, your final set based chart of domination. That gives yep. you a measurable power increase, and that feels good to kind of have that like moderate to large thing that comes at the end. I think that's the problem with the conduits, right? Is you want that jump to be to feel like the jump feels like it should be bigger than it is, and I think you like for something that that you're grinding for whatever for forever for, um, it's. Like I think your honing point is is slightly wrong, and that you want you want to be able to be like, and I did this, and this gets me the jump. I think this is the thing with the cookie clickers, right? Like you know, I have waited for fifteen minutes, and now I get the thing that makes my number go up that much faster, right? Like, and you know, you know, and that's the thing that like you know that that gives the dopamine. It's like a a real and understandable and kind of visual um, thing, right? This is this is this is how it works with Vampire Survivor, right? Like you know, you get like you hit that evolution point. And, you know, all of a sudden your weapon works differently and it's just most down the line of enemies that, like, maybe you weren't having trouble with before. But, like, you know, you instead of instead of essentially running around the bat flock, you just kind of let it run in and everything goes away. And that happens early with garlic. That can happen later with, like, bigger enemies and, like, you know, different... King James Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I think you do need a pretty moderate stuff. Not to say, like, I think, like, run to run, you want, like marginal increases to come pretty frequently right i think i think the thing that you pointed to is slightly off in that i think if you're doing a six-week grind i think you want that all to be minor but you want it to be like if you if you're 
you know, end is like a 5% increase. You want to be doing 1% week over week, right? So you feel like you're building something. Whereas if you want a six-week grind for something that's like one, you want it to be like a, a big impactful jump. And like maybe I've got the percentages wrong there. Um, yeah, no, I, I get that. That makes sense to me. To, oh. to, to like to a certain degree like it's one of those things where you know i think part of it is that the the I, I i sort of wonder if just like the current iteration of where wow is at on a community level is impossible to parse just on a design level because the yeah. perception is so far from reality right like to give you an example over the weekend in 9.2 um people realized that there is an optimization reason to kill every rare in the new zone every day, right? The rares drop a very small amount of reputation, right? So, so this is how legendaries work in the new zone, right? You complete the the five weeks of the Covenant campaign. So after five weeks, you get uh, you get a legendary for free. But that legendary is locked to the belt slot and is item level 265 when the max legendary item level is going to be 291, right? And in order to unlock the item level 291 version, you need to be revered with the with like the faction or whatever, right? And so if you farm every rare in the zone every single day as and do all of the dailies and do all of the, the world quests, you will be revered by the time you get the belt and you can instantly make the upgraded version of the belt at item level 291, which is probably about a 1% increase in, in power or whatever. And players were kind of went nuts over the weekend on on Twitter about it. They were like, "This is a they're reintroducing Corthia. This is a mandatory grind or whatever." When the truth is, the the power spike of the the double legendary is is there. It's just all it's all in the belt, right? If you want two legendaries, it's in the belt. That's going to represent a fifteen percent power spike for most people, more for some, right? And everyone gets that as soon as they unlock the belt. But the question is. Is it, is it worth it for me to burn myself out and obsess about killing every single rare in the zone every single day in order to make sure that I get the upgraded version of the belt on day one instead of waiting a fucking week and doing it like, you know, on the, when I just happen to get there? Yeah. Maybe I'm just running around, I kill a rare every once in a while, and I get it a week or two after the belt comes out. And I feel like the reasonable response to that is... You just sit on the belt for a week or two. Like, it's not that big a deal. You'll get there, you know? And, like, in that week or two, you are pro it's probably not going to make the difference. I could maybe believe that over the course of an entire season, it might make a difference. There might be one wipe, you know, where 1% power difference in, the, in your thousands of wipes of rating would have mattered, right? Uh, but in two weeks, you're just not even going to have that many attempts on a boss where you are that close to killing it that, oh, if I had only, you know, like sat in the zone and camped and camped rares for, for weeks on end, that would have fixed it or whatever, right? I, I think the problem is, is that like that those are more likely to come the earlier you are in the season or in, in the kind of the patch, if that makes sense. Right, like if it was ever going to make a difference, it's probably in those early runs where, like, you know, you're you're close to that cutting kind of honing edge, right? Like if you're if you're actually pushing that content. Um, yeah, well, so for the race of the world first and these kind of like world first guilds, that mostly won't matter, right? Because they'll already be done by the yeah, time that we're true. five weeks into an expansion, right? The raid basically almost always dies in week two at this point. I don't think, I don't think there's ever been uh, a race of the world first that went into three weeks so it's like i don't know 
I, I have compl- I, I just feel like I feel like that is is the, like the part of that is the culture of optimization around well, wow, not really caring about numbers and mostly caring about sort of the idea of optimization. Yeah, right? yeah. I understand that philosophically, you know, kind of sans numbers, I could have a more powerful legendary. I don't actually know how much more powerful. I'm not crunching the numbers to see the difference between a 291 legendary and a 265 legendary. But I just know that there is a more powerful version of it, and I want to get that version as soon as possible, and therefore I am willing to water finds a crack my way into, you know, get, have, having that kind of thing happen. Even if, like... On a kind of like more reasonable, you know, almost to say like a like a risk reward cost benefit analysis, I would probably say it's not worth it. It is not worth you know, yeah, and, the, the kind of investment. And what's uh, one of the easy solutions is just take that rep bonus off of rares, right? Like, yeah. and like you'll get it two weeks later anyway. And like you know, is it not a mandatory grind anymore because like you have to get it later? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, what I think they're actually going to do is keep the rep bonus on the rares, but instead to just put a big... Right now, the weekly quest doesn't give any rep, and people are expecting that that is going to get a big rep bonus. And the amount that you will get week over week will be so much that it just won't matter. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, that you, you're, a person kind of just playing the zone normally will get too revered at about five weeks in anyway just because you know there are these big steroid injections of rep that come you know that come here and there but i just think that all that stuff is sort of like interesting on, a, on kind of like a psychological level right yes, um, especially because wow has a unique thing that something like vampire survivor or like cookie clicker anno 1800 none of all of these are single player games right i am not maximizing my anno 1800 nation state or whatever for anyone else than myself and for kind of just the joy of the of looking at a broken system and fixing it and optimizing it right um but in wow i do have an obligation to my my teammates essentially right where you know it feels weird and it feels bad to be walking into a raid knowing that you could have done more, you could be pulling more of your weight, and you aren't, right? Because that that kind of comes with it, this feeling of, oh, I'm being carried, or, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not performing at the level that I should be performing at, which are entirely social constructs that are kind of imposed on the gameplay design by their nature. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, what are you gonna do, right? Like we've we've talked about we've talked about WoW optimization for for a long time, and we're always like, yep, players are wrong. Um, <laughs> can you? So so this is maybe a good transition into into our weeks. Um, can you explain to me, like, because I I actually haven't paid any attention to the nine point two stuff. So this like the legendary you get is it like what, what is it unique perfection? It is your it is your covenant legendary that is non-exclusive with other legendaries. So the reason it's a double legendary is this one singular power gives you the effect of your covenant legendary while also not counting against the cap, right? So you can have are uh, using invoker. No, the, no, so so this is the thing, right? Like is it like I am using the covenant legendary currently. I mean it's the stomping. Yeah, so you will get to add invoker's delight on top Ooh, of that or or ring of yeah. death. Or or Ring of Death, Death. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that's how it works. You know, I th- I think honestly, I'm a little depressed by this because I loved the idea of having two legendaries, but I'm pretty sure it was just like a balance nightmare. There are certain legendary combos that would just have been insane. So they opted instead for this, like, okay, everyone gets their Covenant legendary 
by definition, right? And you have your second legendary on top of that, right? Okay. So whatever you know, whatever that second legendary looks like. That I that's that's fine. The, the reason I was here is like my my current legendary is my belt. Am I gonna have to like make a new one before the new path? But if it's if it's the covenant legendary, then I'm already set. Yeah, you will probably instead make a new version of whatever you want to pair with. Yeah, probably you know, invoke the light for most things and then switch it out for rings for other things because that's what I do for fu- for fun. You well, know, also when it, when like it matters. there are specific fights. Where like like in in this raid right like I use the death ring on Fate Scribe and on um and on Kelthazad right because like I'm actually kind of surprised they use on Fate Scribe, um because I guess they line up kind of well the ads, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean not only that but like so any any fight that like requires you to move around a lot which that one does like my 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 Feyline stomps just like I'm not standing on them enough to make like the increased chance of doubling them up worth it, at least that's my right. view on it. Yeah. So you know, I'd rather I'd rather have the um, the ability the touch of death. Um, it also gives you know me free three free things, and it also like it occasionally comes in clutch, right? Like you know, like this thing was about to go off, but I killed it instantaneously, right? Like and and I suspect that we could like if I really cared enough, we could optimize around a little bit better, right? Like I think that like you know I could be like no one else come with me to Kelthazad to like this Kelthazad tank ad because I will touch of death it and it'll be gone. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I'm not on the comm stuff to, to talk about that. Um, but, you know, uh, I also just like it better, right? Like, I, I think it's super fun. Um, is my is my background doing this kind of, like, color? Your background has been doing this color shift thing yeah, wonder, all, all, all day. I wonder what's the, causing that. The whole that. time in the, con- in, the, in the podcast. I don't know if anybody watching in the stream can, like, I don't know. It, it's definitely, deny, like, an but... auto-white balance thing. But, like, I, I can see it happening, so... I wonder. I wonder. Uh, see, I think it's when I when I lean to like the side. It, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but um, besides any of that, how is uh, how was your week? Uh, you know, I honestly mostly played um, Vampire Survivors in Anno. I mean, it, the it is a weird thing walking into Anno eighteen hundred three years after it came out with three season passes. I. It's you know you're playing against computers right, and Anno might have some of the best AI I have ever seen in my fucking life. These AI are incredibly aggressive at points when I am legitimately very weak, and they fucked me. They legitimately showed up and fucked me, right? Um, and I have clawed myself out of that that sort of bad situation. Um, basically, what was happening was I I was already in the red. Because one of the things you can do in Anno is you sort of, you live in the red, but you sell huge amounts of high value goods, right? So for instance, a sewing machine is worth a lot of money and you can go take it to a merchant and you can sell that sewing machine for whatever, let's say a thousand dollars, right? So I make, I, I pump a ton of production into sewing machines. I'm now making however many, maybe 300 every five minutes, right? And I take those 300 sewing machines in a cargo ship down to the merchant and I sell my 300 and they each go for a thousand. I've now made 300,000 gold, right? Well, if my, if my burn rate is 10,000 gold a minute, right? I'm easily making up that difference, right? Even though I, even though I'm like burning really hard. Um, and the thing is, is that the supply lines are actually so intricate that it can fucking annihilate you. If somebody really fucks with, you know, like that schema, what it, what ended up happening was I sailed my cargo ship alone too close to this person's shores. They destroyed the cargo ship. And I was like, 
oh my god first of all that's three hundred thousand dollars like sinking to the bottom of the ocean but i'm also staring down a clock because i know that i'm burning 10k a minute and i have like some tiny amount you know fifty thousand dollars left in my in my fucking like bank account like what what am i gonna do you know and then like and at that point it's like well how do you how do you how do you kind of like dig yourself out of the hole and that was like really interesting right but part of the thing that has created this opening is there's just so much to the game now that i just feel like i can't keep up with the ais right so like i said there's there's the old world and the new world this is what launched with the game right old world being a pastiche of europe new world being a pastiche of south america essentially um and uh and then they added Enbasa, which is africa the arctic and um uh, Cape Trelawney, which is another version of the old world, but in a different location. So it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like doubling up the, you know, like what, what happens in the old world. But there's also all of these like little mini games now, right? It's like, so for instance, they added um, like, a, like a diving bell. So you can have a diver go and search through shipwrecks, right? Um, and you can, and you can get items out of that. That's actually like pretty useful, but that's like its own little mini game. You get a treasure map. You got to look around the map. You got to decipher what Island it's talking to. The treasure map marks the red X. You got to sail the salvage ship, dive the guy, pick up the thing, bring the scrap to the guy. And all of that like requires focus and attention. Right. Um, or another example of this might be, you know, like you, I sit there and I'm like optimizing my stuff in Mbasa. The thing about Mbasa is that you it you need to irrigate your stuff, right? So you have to be like building canals off of a river in order to fertilize the land. Otherwise, it's just parched and barren and you're not getting any production out of it or whatever. And, that, and that's a process that takes time. But I'm constantly getting these notifications that are like, your ship is under attack. You know, and then you go look at the ship and then you got to send a frigate to defend the ship. And then, you know, you go back to Mbasa and you're doing this thing and then you get a notification. Oh, your fleet has arrived at the target destination. Then you go there and you're selling your sewing machines. And then you realize, oh, no, like I'm down workers in this other place. And it's just like all of this stuff is like pulling at my attention so much that that uh, that I just felt like the AI was completely, completely outstripping me. But then I realized that they only had one colony in the new world and I blew up that fucking colony and now they can't get oil. Oil, so their whole production pipeline is fucked and i've basically been fine ever since so that's that's the story it's the story of anno 1800 nice um no i, I was thinking uh, just thinking about our, we so you joined us for a ck3 game um this weekend which was uh the, our last ck3 game before the dlc dropped today um which neither of us have played yet or at least i haven't i don't know i assume you have i have not i have not played it um but uh the end of that game was us trying to win this unwinnable fucking crusade. Oh my god, that was so fucking stupid. Honestly, I I think part of it was I didn't understand. I could have brought a better army, um, because I just wasn't putting any money into into army. I actually kind of liked my playthrough. It was really neat that I oh, like yeah. picked up Florence by happenstance. No, um, I mean I was enjoying that game. It's just like the the fucking crusade was a slog, and it was like it's like you know, part of it was like they couldn't win against us and also like we couldn't get the ai to behave and like coordinate and attack with us um yeah which you know is, that's part of that's the one thing i, I really like don't like is it that's just frustrating right like mm -hmm. you know even if like you know you know what had happened was is like one of them popped up and said like we're not going to help you because fuck you right and this is crusader king so this happens sometimes i would have been fine with that right like because like that's the thing that happens in crusader king's three is that like you know 
people don't act rationally because they're supposed to be like human beings, right? Yep. Um, but that's not what happened. What happened was is very clearly the AI didn't understand what was happening and like failed to march its stack on top of our stack, and so we lost a battle. Um, and we did this like seven times in a row, right? Like you know, build up enough troops, go over, and then we lose a big battle, um, and then we they fail to take back anything, and you know, on and on it goes. Um, and it, like kind of also like totally freezes everything else that's happening in the game, right? Like you know, like I have been eyeing, like I wanted to like eliminate the old king king of France and like you know, or the like the, the French Empire essentially with the remnants of it, mm-hmm. and just kind of like do that but i couldn't do that during the crusade right like it was just like not a thing that, that could reasonably happen and it sucked yep um especially because it drains so much money out of your i mean i don't know what your economy is like my economy is um, pretty good um so yeah i mean I, I i i don't have a good sense of this in crusader kings i just because like it feels like it takes an insane amount of gold to make a building and it takes an insane amount of time to make a building and it's just like how am i supposed to figure out a way to make make money in this in this scenario um which maybe it's just a matter of size. You know, I only had four, you know, like when I started, I was a Duke and I only had four counties. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, but then I picked up Florence and a couple of other, you know, like a couple of other counties in Italy. Um, and, uh, and the frustrating thing there was, it just felt like I didn't have any wind, like I didn't have any like window to sort of accelerate my, my gold income to a point where I had like a functional economy. So anytime my army was raised, I was sitting there and I was just like, well, I hope you win this war in two years. Cause otherwise I'm fucking bankrupt. Like, yeah, no, I, I think, I think the, um, I think part of it is that like, it seems like the, the traits matter a lot more than CK, uh, uh, CK2, right? Like, you know, having a high stewardship puts that that that, uh, that number up pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think it's also just kind of like um, little things. Um, like, I I need to I need to I would need to go check to see what I did. But I think I think part of it's like I had a bunch of a bunch of uh, stuff. I also like, um, you know, managed thing. You know, shifted things around in different ways. Um, I had a spouse that was yeah. I also you also too. just had way more territory. So like, yeah. I don't think that Brittany which was where I was playing was going to be a similar level of, you know, kind of like output. Um, but I just felt like if, even if I wanted to, to make that happen, right. By picking up all of the central, central Italy, uh, I didn't have a good option to, because like it just required too much money to, to even get like that, that whole ball rolling. That makes sense. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, other things that I did, the only the only kind of notable thing that we hadn't talked about yet, because I also played a ton of Vampire Survivor, um, <laughs> is uh, I pl- I watched all of the existing seasons of Documentary Now. Have you have you watched any of that? Oh yeah, that's the uh, Fred, uh, Fred Armisen Bill Hader film channel. Yeah, IFC. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. The, yeah, it's yeah. like I have not seen. I think I saw one episode at a friend's house yeah. 10 years ago. So like, it's, it's neat because, like, it's, like, supposed – it's, like, parody, but it's, like, mm-hmm. parody in a way that's, like, not all – like, that's not always, like, aha, funny. Some of it just kind of, like – this is, like, a very kind of, like – like, the humor is all in kind of, like, the concept and not – like, the execution is pretty, like, flawless for, like, what it is, which is, like, weird position to be in, right? Like, the last episode of the last – of the of the third season – which is the last there's a new one coming out in a month or so um is like a bowling documentary um which like 
it's like it feels like it could have been a real bowling documentary, right? Like you know, but you know, instead of being real, it's like you know, Bill Hader and uh, the guy who play or uh, Tim Robbins, the the guy from like a the, the Shawshank Redemption. No, no, no. Um, the guy from like uh, I think you should leave. The like he plays the other bowler. Um, he's like, oh yeah, wait, I forget what is his that guy's Tim name. Heidecker? Maybe. Um, is it, or is that the Tim from Tim and Eric? Are they the same Tim? I don't remember. Who's the Tim from Tim and Eric? Uh, uh, Tim Robinson is the name of the guy, is the name of the Tim from I Think You Should Leave. Uh, Tim Harry, Tim, Tim Heidegger. Okay, yeah. Nope, this, I'm thinking the wrong person. That is the Tim from Tim and Eric, but he's it's a different Tim. Different. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's like a handful of, uh, you know, it's 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 recognizable actors, so you, but you know, um, uh, like like there's 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 like humor in there, and there's like funny moments, but a lot of it's just kind of like this is a very well done exacting parody. Like something that I thought was interesting is the 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 two part finale of the first season is um, gentle and soft. The uh, it's like the blue jean committee story, which is like a fake like. Um, a fake kind of like a uh, new or not new wave. There, there was there was a there was a a pretty direct parody of of fucking Talking Heads in one of the seasons. But um, uh, it's kind of like a like an eighties band kind of Blue Jean Committee type is, is what they it, that was the name of the band. But like it, it felt like you know, um, it felt like a nice companion piece to um to like Walk Hard, right? Um, uh, it's less laugh out loud, but it's kind of like this is like instead of making a like you know a a what's the term for like these like these they're not really documentaries but they're kind of like um like 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 walk hard mockumentaries hmm? mockumentaries yeah. right no, no 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 so i'm what is the name of like like you know like a rocket man or a like a biopic maybe? A biopic? yeah but yeah. like you know it's not quite real but it's like you know it's a movie but it's like a vague documentary it's like stylized yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which is like walk hard is you know directly walk the line but like in general it's kind of like that biopic is parodying that whereas like right whereas like gentle and soft is kind of like a very direct parody of like what would be a more earnest documentary about a band right like you know interviews with the band members and whatever um, and it's all fake but like i think it's uh i thought it was super fun um so you know uh that was that was the other big thing i did with my week um yeah are you gonna be playing lost ark at all Interesting. I I am not planning on playing Lost Ark though. I've heard about it. Lost Ark like it felt like it burst onto the scene in my in my opinion. All that ha I, I didn't hear about any of this until like last week when all of like the big WoW Twitch streamers were talking about playing Lost Ark, and I was like, oh, it's a, you know it's a new MMO. Maybe it'll be like New World. You know, I'll play it for a week or two, uh, and then I looked it up and it's a fucking Diablo, and I was like, how are it's people, also why are it's also not new. Like this has been around for like three or four years in South Korea and <laughs> Russia. Um, oh, Amazon okay. is Amazon is republishing it um, in the West for the first time. Um, there and there's like a whole bunch of stuff there. Like I'm not sure if it's pay to win or not. Um, I have not like. Well, I have heard. Yeah, I have heard very conflicting things yeah. about so the status I, of it being pay to win. Part of it is it is very definitely pay to win in South Korea and Russia, um, like because it's like in that model. Um, and I. Mm. Um, and there's, like, some question about, like, how much of that they've stripped out of it and, like, you know, obfuscated at least a little bit, right? Like, um, 
Yeah, I also think that like you know even just the term itself is complicated, yeah. right? You know, we've had episodes all, wow. on this, you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pay to win because of the token, right? Um, so it's like the question of yeah, no, what 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 does that even mean or constitute in in yeah, so a game? Friend of the cast. Uh, so the game didn't actually release today. It releases in three days. But if you buy a founder pack, you get three days early access or whatever, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was I was. Discussing this with again in front of the cast X and he was and I was like it sounds pretty pay to win because like you can buy like you can get like a currency that you can then trade directly on the auction house for like upgrade materials um, and this is the way this is the way that these like Korean style MMOs generally go is like the way you get power is you um, upgrade your like you upgrade your items but there's a chance of failure and so you just keep kind of going and there's ways to soften that it seems like Amazon softened a bunch of it but um, it seems like you can pretty directly just like pay for materials. And like upgrade your stuff that way, and that seems that seems pretty direct to me. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case, so I need to do some more investigation on that. But um, but X's counterpoint was like, you know, well in WoW you can uh, pay for like to be carried through a raid, and so that's that's pay to win, and so there's no no effective difference. Um, I think maybe he's being a little bit cheeky with that, but like I'm like there's there's a world of difference there, right? Like you know. Yeah, I mean I I mean just recently WoW banned boosting, right? They banned what are called boosting communities, right? Which is uh, the 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 line that they drew is the specific uh, like on your specific server, if a guild on your server wants to run a boost, go to trade chat, advertise a boost, and then the person advertising invites you to a group and you run a 15 and get the gear out of it. That is a fair and like legal boost. Right. But the big thing that was happening with boosting was the, it kind of was this weird, like pit boss system in a way where the real people making money were the advertisers. Right. Because what was happening was people were spamming chats, advertising for boosts. Right. And then they get somebody hitting them up, say, Hey, I want to buy a 15 boost. Then the person sets up the boost as this kind of middleman and he takes a cut of the, so he, he creates the, he kind of creates the transaction and he's the funnel for the transaction. He takes the gold from the buyer and he pays out the gold to the boosters. Right. Um, and he obviously takes a cut in the middle of, in the middle of that process, and he doesn't really do all that much. All he does is is coordinate, you know, this person, this group, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's the thing that they specifically targeted, and were like, you know, we don't want, th th like, this is bad for the game, and we are cutting it, and we are cutting it out of the game. So at the very least, it is much more difficult. I don't think anyone can get a legal boost on Ravenholt anymore, just because I don't think that there's any guild that's capable of it, right? There are no guilds that are, like, you know, doing cutting-edge content. Maybe, like, me and my Mythics team could run 15 boosts. We definitely could run 15 boosts, thinking about it. Um, but, like, what, it's just, like... What did... What did? But how did the middleman get around that? Get around what? Like... Presumably, if the team still exists that can boost, right? Like, why does the middleman enable that beyond? Like you said no one on Ravenholt can get boost anymore because this middleman doesn't exist, right? Like, presumably the guild, the guild that would be doing the boosters would still are still accessible. To the the boosters are on a different server. As soon as it's cross server, it is illegal essentially. If I oh. buy a boost on Ravenholt, I need people on Ravenholt to boost me, right? Okay. For, whereas on Illidan. 
Area 52, Thrall, right, Tychondrius, which are the big, biggest and most kind of, like, hardcore servers. I'm sure you could get a boost there, because that's where all the big, you know, like, the big guilds are, right? Um, oh, and, but so, on, the, and but on, so the middleman is the person, there is a, the middleman is a person yeah. on Ravenholt that knows people on these big servers and can provide that link. Um, and so the problem yep. isn't the middleman status, it's the, it's the linking piece. Like, yeah, well, yes, and also that the middleman doesn't participate in the activity. So my understanding, this is all very unclear, but my understanding is also it's illegal. If I, on Ravenholt, go, I'm going to advertise a boost for our guild. I say, Sanctuary will boost you, right? You go, I want to buy a boost from Sanctuary. And then I put you in a group with five people from my guild, but not me. If I'm advertising, I have to be the person running the content essentially i don't right? i don't understand that like i don't understand what the point of this rule is but like i don't understand why I, so i th so my understanding is that i mean i don't know it's it's complicated my understanding is that boosting is a huge like piece of wow right, right. like it is this thing that you know it is and and it has existed for the for the longest what, time wasn't but like now you see like boosting people like on his like first day wasn't that like a like a minor controversy yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike Ubarra yeah. is part of was part of a mythic raiding guild, and they were running, you know, AOTC boosts for people. Um, but uh, but I think I think it's mostly about trying to take down sort of the uh, the 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 massive infrastructure that is spamming chats with ads, right? Because if you're attacking that advertiser, you are preventing like trade chat spam where people are just sitting in trade chat spamming the boost thing over and over again right or they're making you know these group finder listings that are for not real groups because they're advertising a boost in the little in the little message those have always been illegal by the way but like you know th this is the thing that they're trying to crack down on by making the bread and butter of boosting which is being able to advertise on every server in a region, right, and pull buyers from all of those servers and funnel them to, you know, this these groups of hardcore players who are located on these couple of servers, um, you are kind of cutting off the supply chain for the, you know, like the advertiser to be making the money for the boosting community to be sort of, right, like making it as a, as a whole as a whole ass job. I don't know. It's fascinating. I would love to like dig into this especially because like just I, I i sort of want to like peel back the layers in the way that like it's fun to understand to like read a book about how like the mafia was run right just like what how how, do, how is the economy of this like boosting community work right and i'm sure at some point it's rmt i am oh yeah one thousand percent sure at a certain point it is you are a booster who is taking in all this gold from boosting and I'm going to wash my gold into cash by trading it through RMT to somebody. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I believe that. Um, yeah. Well, we're running up on time and we've got raid to go, go to and uh, we didn't get to the other thing I wanted to talk about today because I what forgot. What was the other thing you want to talk about? Uh, NFTs. Um, since Aquapara, oh. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get into this. We'll get into this next time. Um, in the back half, I don't think it's like a full episode's worth of things. Um, <laughs> But uh, just just be just because I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, and you asked me if I had any T NFTs. And at that point, I did not. I recently won one in kind of like a raffle. So you know, <laughs> I do own, in fact own an NFT now. Um, and this it's gotten a lot of like kind of like flack in the gaming press. Like you know, Aquapara put out a statement against NFTs. Um, yep. 
Um, to specific, we, I mean, we did put out a statement against NFTs specifically because some dipshit went and minted all of our music, right? Uh, they That's basically bad. went to yeah. Bandcamp, they found every single track, and they minted NFTs of music that they didn't own, and that pissed us off enough to, you know? Hey, <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get it, right? Like, <laughs> and I, like, I think there's some nuance there to get to, um, and, like, but the thing I'm going to say up top, like, you know, just kind of like a, a thesis statement, bef- you know, before next time when we, we get really into it, is, like, I don't necessarily think that NFTs are good for game, like, are, like, necessary or useful in games. I think they, they've got, like, potential in other contexts, but, like, um, I understand why the games people push back against it, but, uh, like I said. Oh, yeah, I think they're awful for games. I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take too much of a side or whatever. But I just think that anything that, you know... Um, maybe we should know. make this... A, maybe we'll make this a full episode wait, for next time. I, think I don't know that I have a full episode in me. Because I, I feel very unknowledgeable about this, right? All I see are, like, tweets and, like, one or two YouTube videos that I have that I have watched on the subject. And that just d- doesn't make me feel like I'm qualified to, to really talk about it. But from my perspective, if NFTs are kind of about this, this sort of commodification of it, that idea in gaming is awful. And, you know, it, it happens. We're just talking about RMT and WoW Gold or whatever, right? Like, there's no, there's no protecting it. But, like, the idea that there would be that that would be encouraged rather than discouraged at every possible opportunity I find to be uh, very strange uh, because to me it feels like games really want to, to be the opposite, right? They don't want you to think about spending money, right? They, you, you, they want you to be entering into the experience, having fun or whatever, right? And it is not part of some kind of investment transaction is supposed to make you money like i don't know i don't know i have uh, yeah no maybe, I, I, maybe we can do an episode on it yeah, i don't know no, <laughs> hey you know, next week we'll tackle it in either the front half or the back half we'll, we'll make that decision yeah. uh in between but uh we need to get to raid <laughs> and i do some stuff before we get into raid so uh if you want to tell us what you think about any of the things we talked about on this episode or you know if you've got pre-thoughts about nfts that you want to send in feel free um you can email us at subversplaygames at gmail.com or podcasts at subversplaygames.com. You can follow switch.tv slash subversplaygames these go out live. Um, uh, we've got a SoundCloud. We've got iTunes. All the good stuff. Um, rate and review us everywhere. Buddy, do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, I do have one thing I want to promote, which is that Cardboard Kings comes out on Thursday. Uh, it's our card shop management management sim. I'm going to be streaming all day on twitch.tv slash games starting at 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, and then we're doing a launch party at 5 p.m. Uh, with like the developers, you know, cool stuff, fun, you know, fun stuff. Also, we're doing Kung Fu Panda for movie night. Finally, my 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 one true OTP has 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 been voted by the by the masses to be the movie night movie, which I'm very well, excited what, what about. What was the competition? So, uh, my neighbor Totoro. I, have I talked about this on the cast before? Well, you, you've I don't know if you've talked about it on the cast. But you've talked about it in our private chat. Or that. Yeah, yeah. So in so uh, Kung Fu Panda has famously been. Forever the bridesmaid, never the bride in these polls, right? Because what happens is every movie night, I put out a poll. People say, you know, we want to watch this, 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 right? And then at the end of the movie night, I go, okay, what do you want in next week's poll kind of thing, right? And um, and what ends up happening is I get two or three responses, but I always want that. I, I fill that out. And I almost always put Kung Fu Panda as one of the extra options there. And it typically comes in second every single fucking week, except for last week it came in first, so... We're doing we're doing KFP finally. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to say uh, until next time, your listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>